This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. We've got a home soccer match in the NCAA tournament this week to tell you about. We've got a basketball game to recap with some pretty dramatic highlights from Monday night, unfortunately, a narrow defeat for the USF Bulls to Stetson now 0-3 on the season. You'll hear what Brian Gregory had to say about it as well. We'll give you the Player of the Week honorees for women's basketball, as we suspected there would be quite a bit. And we'll tell you what's coming up today on USF Bulls Unlimited. We'll let you know right now that the Warren I-4 for football, you already were aware, no doubt, will wrap up the regular season for the Bulls next Saturday at Raymond James Stadium. We can tell you it's going to be a night game. It'll depend on the TV designation, but it'll be either 7 or 7.30. So not Black Friday. It'll be Saturday instead and 7 or 7.30. Now on to soccer. If you were listening to yesterday's show, you heard me say that the Bulls had a good chance to host the first round of the NCAA tournament, and if they win, they might get linked into a number one team in the country. Well, that's exactly what happened, unfortunately, on the second part. But, hey, the good news is first that USF did get picked to host, and we said even though by RPI ranking the Bulls would be just on the outside of being a first-round host, that the committee was probably going to ignore the numbers to some degree and put the Bulls at home. It's exactly what happened. They'll be playing Hofstra on Thursday night. More on them in just a second. It's not going to be an easy game. Now, both games, as we speak, are scheduled for the same time. In general, the administrators at USF do not like to have games going on at the same time just because you know, you're stretching your staff a little bit thin right now anyway. The men's soccer match and the men's basketball game are both at 7 o'clock on Thursday night. So if that's the case, we'll let you know what the broadcast information is going to be. But don't worry, I'll be there broadcasting it for you on USF Bulls Unlimited. Remember now, we are partners with 102.5 The Bone and the new HD2 channel, 102.5, on your HD2 radio. We're working on getting a streamed option for that. So that's the thing about Thursday night right now. The plan is to have the Bulls on Bulls Unlimited as far as soccer goes and men's basketball on the HD2 channel. But stay tuned if anything changes when it comes to that. Now, as far as the actual NCAA tournament field, I've been telling you all along that I've been getting my information from a guy who runs a blog, Daniel Curry, the RPI Update men's soccer blog. He was right on it as far as who would get in the tournament. Every single team that he had, and it went down to the computer numbers, basically, that was going to get in the tournament did. The only questions that we had was, would the Bulls get picked to host? And from the intel that I had, based on their facilities and other things, they were definitely in a good spot. Oh, yeah, the fact that the American Athletic Conference was considered the third best conference also favored them. And boy, before we get to the Bulls part of the bracket, did the American get love like it's never gotten before? I don't know if you remember a couple years ago. Yeah, SMU and UCF, this is actually three years ago, were both very good and they both got high national seeds. The problem was they got put on the same part of the bracket. So SMU was the eight seed, UCF was the nine seed. They both got a bye, which was wonderful. But then they both won and had to play each other in the second round. So you're having the 
conference basically KO one another. That was the last year the Bulls made the tournament. They went to Louisville and lost in the first round again. 48 teams, not 64, make it in men's soccer because, frankly, there are fewer teams. So the top 16 are considered the national seeds, and they get to sit out the first round. Everybody else plays with the better teams getting to host those first-round games. So USF was the second team named on the bracket unveil because the number one overall seed is Kentucky. We'll worry about them hopefully on Friday's show because the game between the Bulls and Hofstra is Thursday night. The other part of their little group of six teams in the bracket features the number 16 seed Akron awaiting the winner between Pittsburgh and Cleveland State. And again, we're a ways away from this, but Pittsburgh features Enrique Galina, former Bull who transferred and had a great season playing basically every minute for Pittsburgh. As far as the rest of the conference goes, I mentioned how it got a lot of love. Three national seeds. Tulsa was an interesting case because the Golden Hurricane got beat at home in the first round of the AAC tournament by Memphis, and I thought that might knock them off that hosting bubble. They ended up getting the 15th seed, and the really interesting thing about Tulsa getting the 15th seed was I wasn't sure what the committee was going to do with their game against Wisconsin early in the season. They were basically less than 90 seconds away from losing to Wisconsin 3 to nothing, but weather kept that game from getting to the what's considered official part of the game where it's well considered an official game that's the 70 minute mark so that was considered a no contest on their record and I thought the committee might go yeah you know what they were going to lose to Wisconsin three nothing let's knock them off the hosting bubble but Tulsa gets to sit out the first round first round everyone plays Thursday this is different than the women's tournament where the games were scattered from Friday to Sunday the reason everyone plays on Thursday is the second round is Sunday it's a quick turnaround it's designed to give those hosts a little bit extra of an advantage. Tulsa, by the way, will host either Georgetown or Navy. FIU, the team that beat the Bulls in the championship game, was the regular season and therefore tournament winner of the conference, gets the best seed at 10, will host either New Hampshire or Seton Hall. And then SMU, the team that the Bulls beat on Thursday in the semifinals, and that really put them into hosting realm. The Mustangs, as the 11 seed, get Vermont or Quinnipiac in the second round and the other team from the conference the one that was going to be the fifth if there were five indeed got in memphis will be playing at st louis and will be hoping to play indiana the 13th seed on sunday the other part of it that was very good for the conference is that basically none of the teams could possibly meet each other until the elite eight so that's how spread around the american athletic conference is this year it got second most of any league and that's the ACC which got eight then the American at five which of course is a record for the league we said all along the additions of FIU and Charlotte to the conference we're going to make it a power league and if you're wondering UCF will be departing for the Sun Belt which is pretty strong but actually only got two teams into the tournament Kentucky being the number one team in the country with no losses Washington team that the Bulls played this year and lost to at home three to nothing is the number two seed. So if the Bulls should win on Thursday more on Hofstra in a second, I'm guessing they'll be the only team in the country to play two number one teams in one season, or at least the first in this particular year to play two number one teams in one season. It was the only NCAA tournament team on their schedule outside of their conference, but again, their conference was considered so strong 
that that helped the Bulls case. I didn't get a chance to be there for the selection show. I've just got too much going on with some renovations at the house, so I had to be here. But it was good to see the article on GoUSFBulls.com, Joey Johnston, before he went on over to call some basketball action. We'll have those clips for you in a little bit. Talk to head coach Bob Beardhorn. He said, I like that we didn't have to wait long on the brackets. That's good. We're at home. I think we earned it, so let's go to work. He says he knows Hofstra is a tough opponent. Figure out and research how to play against them, but the way we finish definitely gives me confidence. I hope it does the same for the boys. We've been a good team throughout, but we were just too inconsistent in the beginning. Now that we're playing with consistency, it makes all the difference. He's right about that. Took them five games before they got win number one this season. And again, not too long ago, the Bulls were 3-5-4 and four with an RPI in the 80s. But a five-match winning streak got them into not just the NCAA tournament, but the ability to be at home for the first round. My buddy, Checho Sergio Pinares Mayorga says, now we get to dress up Corbett with the NCAA banners. We've known all along we had a good team once we started believing in ourselves and getting the results everything changed. We go into the NCAAs with a lot of momentum. That's all very accurate, but now let's talk about the opponent, Hofstra. This is a very good team. Yes, they were the third seed for the Colonial Tournament, but it cannot be a surprise that they won the Colonial. Even if they did not, they were going to get in. They had an RPI in the low 30s, and then beating Elon, which was also an NCAA Tournament team, got them into the 25 range when it came to the RPI get this last year Hofstra made it to the third round they went 18-2-2 on the season they went to West Virginia in the second round this was after beating Lipscomb 4-2 at home and they beat Penn State 8-2 Penn State was a top 25 team so Hofstra after that would go on to lose to Pittsburgh 4-0 however this is a team that just is coming off of its Furthest advancing in the NCAA tournament. They made it six times previously and again last year. Won at this first round stage and then won convincingly at the second round stage. I don't think Hofstra is planning on beating the Bulls and then beating undefeated Kentucky 8-2, to but it just shows you this is a very confident group. Now, they didn't have the rugged conference run that the Bulls had because only Hofstra and Elon from the Colonial are in the top 75, basically, of the RPI. However... After they lost, which was their only conference defeat, to Elon on October the 15th, they lost 3-1. to They turned around three days later and went to Virginia, which, by the way, is the number four seed in the NCAA tournament, and they tied them. Then they went to Drexel and got another tie. Drexel's a team right around 100th in the country. And after that, five wins in a row. 4 nothing, 5 nothing, And then they got into the conference tournament and won both of those games two to one so Hofstra is going to be a very big challenge for the Bulls and we'll talk more about it heading into Thursday night which again it's scheduled to be a seven o'clock game and we'll carry it for you on USF Bulls Unlimited the eight six and four USF Bulls against the 14 three and three Hofstra pride by the way 14 wins tied for second most of any team in the entire NCAA. Now, on the channel today, we will have, of course, Daniel DePrado's press conference. I say, of course, but it's only been the second one for him, but we always carry the football press conference. It's scheduled again for 11.45. But after him, and we won't do all of this live, but just to give you an idea of what's coming up on the show tomorrow, we're going to talk to Brian Betty, DJ Gordon. Then at 12.30, Jose Fernandez strolls to the podium. Of course, his Bulls are 
hosting Alabama tomorrow night. And then after that, it'll be Mindy McCord, the Will. And then after that, Mindy McCord, the women's lacrosse coach. They just signed their first class, of course, 20 players, and we'll get to talk to her. So a lot of good audio coming your way on Wednesday's Bulls Beat. And we can already go ahead and give you the guest list for the football radio show, which will air for the first time on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. It's Coach DePrado along with Director of Operations Albert Boone and defensive end Jason Vaughn. Albert Boone is definitely a guy that's behind the scenes involved with a lot when it comes to the football team, and he is right there on the sideline during the games as well. He can go from a wealth of experience. I do not envy Jim Lauk and Joey Johnston trying to edit down the questions that they'll ask Albert because he can be asked a lot of different things. Trust me, that'll be an interesting show tomorrow. Not just Bulls beat in the morning with plenty of audio, but also the football radio show. Well, we got highlights of the men's basketball game and Brian Gregory from afterwards. It was a thriller in the second half after the Bulls fell behind big early. They fall a point short to Stetson. We'll also give you the women's basketball weekly honorees via the conference. It was a pretty good day of recognition for the preseason American champion USF Bulls. That when Bulls Beat continues. More Bulls Beat now. Once again, here's Derek Sharp. Another busy week for you on the channel. And again, Thursday night, it'll be not dueling competitions. You can take your pick and go back and forth if you like. But right now, both the men's soccer NCAA tournament match at 7 and the men's basketball game against Austin P at the Yingling Center scheduled for 7 o'clock. The men were unopposed last night as far as broadcasting interest, but very much opposed by a Stetson team that started off its season with a convincing win at Florida State and was on its way to maybe another one in the first half. The Bulls got a three-pointer, which is always a good sign early by Jameer Chaplin. Would that be the key to carry them on? No. Three-pointer seven seconds in, but the next thing you know, the Hatters were on a 13-1 to run. And it barely got better than that the rest of the way. The Bulls just kind of hung around. Stetson was making its three-point shots. Got a couple back-to-back for a 21-8 to lead at the midway point of the first half. That's right, the Bulls only on eight points. Ryan Conwell, the freshman, hit a three to get it down to 23-15. Stetson responded with the next five points quickly. And then Luke Brown would hit a couple threes as the Hatters would get it to 31-17. to Luke Brown, who last year was at Ball State up in Indiana, never made more than two threes in a game. Now, to be fair, against Florida State in the Hatters' win, he was 7 for 11. And oh yeah, Luke Brown is the fourth all-time leading scorer in Indiana State High School basketball history. That means he can shoot. And by the way, right now, Stetson has him coming off the bench, but that could change. However, three dunks in the final five minutes of the first half Two by Russ Chiwa, one by Chap, Jameer Chaplin, at least got it down to 10 at the end of the first half. Chap had the fantastic first half. He and Chiwa both on seven points. Russ, three for three from the floor with five rebounds. But they were going to need other people to get into the scoring action, namely Tyler Harris, who was 0 for from three-point land the first two games and was 0 for in the first half on this night. He and Chaplin would start to squeeze the margin down to start things off and then a big run to get it to within a point midway through the second. Jameer Chaplin looking to turn the corner into the paint, puts up a floater, that's good, and Chaplin continues to attack the basket. Just like he did in the first half, Jameer Chaplin scores the first basket 
of the half for the Bulls, and they've cut it to eight. Harris, cross-court pass to Chapman. Chap fires a three, hits a three, his second of the game, and the Bulls make their third of the night. Junior Chaplin is certainly the player of the game for the USF Bulls so far. Harris passes to Bryant. Back to Harris at the top. Goes almost by Luke Brown. Stops to pop. Tyler Harris with a jump shot from 16 feet. And that is good to see. Give credit to Tyler Harris who hustled to get the offensive rebound and found an open opening in the defense and made his shot. So maybe he's starting to heat up. That would be welcome. Back to Swenson at the top. Shot clock down to seven. Swenson uses the screen. Throws a lob, caught, and the layup is good. Swenson has 13 points and now his second assist. So Stetson is up for the task here of keeping the lead at 8 to 10. USF has got to find a way to cut into that lead a little further. Jameer Chaplin picks up his dribble, gets it off to Selton Miguel, into the corner. Tyler Harris, wide open for three, lets it fly. Bingo! I've been waiting to say that all season. <laughs> you knew it was going to come eventually. Tyler Harris incredibly makes his first three-pointer of the season after going 0 for 15, I believe it was. Bulls down six, they need a stop here, and Stetson turns it over on back-to-back -back possessions. It's it off to Ryan Conwell, passes to Selton Miguel. Ball fake, gets a man down, passes to Conwell right side. He's open for three, bingo! And it's raining threes for the green and gold. It really is, we, we haven't been in this position much the last couple of years, but the Bulls are red hot from deep range. How about that move by Selton Miguel? Alec Oglesby ended up on his rear end. Here comes Stetson back the other way. Swenson, he stops on a dime and he carried the basketball. And that is three consecutive turnovers. Poked at by Corey Walker in a takeaway. Four straight turnovers. Here's Miguel, passes to Walker, two-handed dunk. And the Bulls are running and gunning. They're down a point, and Donnie Jones needs a timeout for Stetson. Indeed he does. The Bulls are scorching red hot. The best offensive sequence we have seen this season. 30-second timeout, which turns into a full timeout. 10-20 to go. Bulls down one. Obviously, it seemed like everything was going in their favor, but off the timeout, Stetson would score. Brown would hit a couple of free throws. The Bulls would only make one field goal from the time Corey Walker had that dunk to make it 49-48 until less than six minutes to go. And at that time, the margin was back up to six. The Bulls, however, in the final six minutes, would make six shots in a row to set up a fantastic potential finish. Here's the setup part. The Bulls have put themselves again in a position where they have to be maybe not perfect, but extremely precise on both ends of the court. These two teams have not played each other for a couple of years, but the losing streak is 15 in a row for Stetson. Their last win against the Bulls was in DeLand in 1989. Their last win in Tampa was 10 years before that. And I, just to put it in perspective, that that win was when the Sun Dome was under construction. That was It was at Curtis Hickson Hall in downtown Tampa, which no longer exists. It's now a park. Down low to Russell Chiwa. He's in his office. Big Russ. Steps through, jump hook left hand, good! 64-59 with 2.45 left. Nice soft baby hook by Russell Chiwa with the left hand. Cuts it to five, 2.40 to go. Bulls have made three shots in a row. They need another stop here. Swenson out near midcourt. Two and a half minutes left. Lefty going left, now he cycles back to the right. Now he's back to the left again. Gets it off to Brown, he's got Tamir Chaplin on him. Shot clock at five. Brown hands it off. Now he makes a hesitation move to the basket. Reverse layup good. 
you know, he <laughs> he made a great move to to lose Russell Chiwa and just went right around him, unencumbered. Well, they were so worried about him pulling up from three that they got up on him. Here's Tyler Harris back the other way to the basket. A lot of contact. Throw oh. it in somehow, some way. Three bodies collide with Tyler Harris. He was almost behind the backboard and threw it up and in, and he got fouled and a chance at a three-point play. 12 points so far on the night. It's a five-point game. Now it's a four-point game with 2.01 left. Harris missed his first three shots tonight. He's missed one since then. 66-62. Here's Luke Brown with the basketball for Stetson on the perimeter. Gets a screen. Now he's going to elevate 18 feet, and of course he made it. He's made everything tonight. You've got to kidnap that kid or do something. I mean, he is, you cannot give him any room to breathe. Harris stops on a dime. He's trying to shake free from Swenson. In the corner to Bryant. He elevates and shoots a three. Good! With 1.32 left to go in the game. Keyshawn Bryant, who made three in a game earlier this year, just hit a huge triple. It's 68-65. Cumberland will launch a three. No good. Backside rebound. Tipped and controlled by Sam Hines. Good box out by Tyler Harris there. To keep hands away. Harris is going to stop. Fire from 15. Behind the back. Good! The behind the back dribble. And Tyler Harris is shooting with a ton of confidence. It's a one-point game with a minute left. Tyler Harris has been great in the second half. And the Bulls have been great offensively. Here comes the, oh, they take a man out on an illegal screen. Cross-court pass, they threw it away. Wow, Brian Gregory wanted to, wanted a foul there because the Bull got wiped out on an illegal screen, but the Bulls end up with the ball with 31 seconds left and 30 on the shot clock. So you're down by a point with a chance to win the game. What do you do? You try and work it down, at least not for a last-second shot, but to get one off with about five, six seconds. That's exactly what the Bulls did. It was a decent look. The follow was an even better look, but it didn't go down. Now out to Keyshawn Bryant, 16 seconds to go. Harris out near midcourt, Swenson guards. 11 seconds to go, Harris gonna stop, pop, 16, off the rim, no good. Keyshawn Bryant tried to dunk it in, couldn't do it. Rebounded by Stetson with five seconds to go, and they're at midcourt with four seconds left. And Keyshawn Bryant went over everyone contorted his body and tried to dunk that in and it just wouldn't go down just wouldn't go down tyler harris had a good look at it Keyshawn bryant came from the third deck i think to dunk it and just wouldn't go in you know Keyshawn bryant's a spectacular dunker and it was not an easy kind of fly into the hoop the effort was great but if he thinks about it he can probably just lay that ball in stetson would have still had plenty of time as it turned out the Bulls were actually not in the bonus. Free throw shooting was not as big of a factor in this game. The Bulls for the game were 7 of 13, but both teams were 5 for 7 in the second half. And basically the Bulls didn't even get that extra foul to give because Stetson threw the ball down the court. He missed a shot at the buzzer, 68-67. The final, Chaplin and Harris both with 15 points. If anything, it was great to see Harris get it going offensively, but Brown with 20 on the other end, 4 of 8 on threes. And Swenson, their point guard, ended up with 15 points bulls as a team shot six of 18 on threes that's not bad but on the other side a little better nine for 27 and brian gregory's team is now zero and three coach another one that comes right down to the very end i guess walk us through the last couple of possessions there you had your chance tyler did a really good job down the stretch in terms of creating some action and making some plays and had the ball in his hands he did a good job on the first option we got to the second option had a pretty clean look and uh, told those guys to get to the um, 
get to the offensive glass and had a tip to to win the game and just weren't able to weren't able to finish that one. Um, and then and again, give them a ton of credit in terms of uh, the, the big stretch in the game was they scored nine straight points on three possessions. They hit a three off a special play. They hit a three on a on a missed defensive assignment, and then we followed them on the three point play. And and uh, we we get to the timeout and we're down eight at that time. Uh, understanding time, score, situation, and and getting the stops that we needed to. And then at the last couple possessions, we did it. You know, we got the we got the stops and the rebounds, forced a turnover there as well. You know, so uh, not good enough. Seven for 13 from the free throw line again. We just got we got some things that we need to really really dramatically improve in. Of course, from his post-game interview on USF Bulls Unlimited, we will post the entire interview, if you want to hear it, to our Unlimited Unloaded page. That's SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, or Spotify. Just type Unlimited Unloaded. But we got a few minutes left. We want to give you some highlights of the, you know, AAC Women's Basketball Player and Freshman of the Week. You knew it was going to be Dulcie Fankamengiato on the first side. Career high points, almost in back-to-back games, 26 on Friday against FAMU and then 25 on Sunday against JU. And oh yeah, there was the first game, remember, going back to last Monday in all, she averaged 21 points and 9 rebounds, and she has been fantastic. That one looks good, and it is. Swish. 7 for 9 at the free throw line. One more for Dulcie. We'll do the trick. That is her career high. She was the target very early and often for the Bulls. 8 of 11 from the floor. 8 of 10 from the free throw line. 11 to 6. There's another outlet pass. A nice little pivot move there by Dulcie. Thank you, Mangiato. And four quick ones by the Bulls have them within 11 to 8. Bulls look much calmer. They're going in. Dulcie's got the height advantage here. She's getting good position. They're taking their time, making a good entry pass, giving Dulcie the right lead towards the basket. Wild shot, but Dulcie there for the rebound and give her 25 points. And it's 67 to 54 with 45 to play. Now, I doubt she's going to shoot 73.5% from the floor all year, but that's the start she's off to, 25 for 34. After, frankly, last year struggling at times and seeing her field goal percentage end up at 47. Definitely a player that can carry the Bulls offensively and in key times, namely down early in the last two games, they went right to her. The Bulls have been able to put five freshmen on the court at one time, but the only one that's been on the court at the beginning of the game has been Carla Brito, and she was named the Freshman of the Week. Nice pass by Asensio Brito, too far underneath the basket, lost her bearings, but runs down the rebound. Shoots up a three and knocks it down. Carla Brito gave it a little fist pump there. She didn't like that first miss, so she got an extra point out of the trip. Oh, good pass. looks to run with Brito. She wants to do something. Oh, a shake and bake move there, and she scores. She showed it, brought it back around the player, and laid it in. We said she was spectacular. If you didn't know by now, that would uh, sort of drive the point home. Too much on it. Priscilla Williams gets it. Do the Bulls hope for one shot? No, they want to run. It's become a three-on-one. Brito, no look pass to Arneo. Fast break hoop. There's a little bit of her act. She picked up six rebounds in each of the first two games. Definitely, as you heard, can dish off the ball and score it from anywhere on the floor. Scored 14 points a week ago against Moorhead State in her college debut. For the week, averaged almost 11 points, more than six rebounds, and tossed in five assists, four against FAMU. She is the AAC Freshman of the Week. We'll talk to Jose Fernandez today, previewing, of course, tomorrow's Bama game on tomorrow's show, along with plenty more. That's going to wrap up the Tuesday Bulls beat him, Derek Sharp.